give me liberty, give me liberty, or give me death. So said Patrick Henry in 1775 at the St. John's Church, where the Virginia House of Burgess had gathered. That was their legislative body for the state or the colony at that time, 1775. Virginia delegates had gathered. They were debating on how to respond. Uh, to the Stamp Tax Act that Britain had imposed on the colonies that many viewed as unfair, and there was a lot of other civil unrest going on in the land. And so uh, the folks in Virginia had gathered, and Patrick Henry uh, was of that faction that believed that it was freedom from Britain or nothing else. And so in 1775, he uttered those words that are a very important part of our identity uh, as Americans, give me liberty or give me death. Not all were in agreement. Mr. Henry Patrick was certainly within that group who had decided it's either freedom from the control of England or death for us. Give me liberty or give me death. You know, one of the great touchstones of Scripture, one of the great truths of Scripture, one of the great themes of Scripture is the freedom that God has given humanity, that God has given sinners, that God has given His people through His Son, Jesus Christ. This theme of freedom runs throughout the Bible because in the beginning of the story, when human, when human men and women fall into sin, they become enslaved by that sin and it holds them in bondage. And so throughout the thread of the narrative of the Bible runs this story of God doing this work to free his creation. God did not make you to be in bondage to sin. He did not make you to be enslaved uh, to to your passions or to your addictions that control you. God made you to be free, free to worship him and to live uh, under that great perfect will that he has for you. The freedom that God gives is not merely political or social or economic but it is eternal freedom that he offers you. It is freedom not just in the moment or freedom in just one particular area. It is freedom from sin that will hold you uh, in bondage and lead towards your death. And the Bible tells us your damnation. If you are glad for the freedom that Jesus gives, say amen. This is a gift, the gift of freedom. As our society arounds us and as we as citizens celebrate uh, the freedom that we enjoy in this country and the liberty that we have, we gather on this Sunday to do what we do every first day of the week, and that is to celebrate the freedom that Jesus has given us. Oh, the Bible tells us freedom from ignorance of God. That's what we've been given when He frees us. Freedom from separation, freedom from the darkness of sin, freedom from condemnation, freedom from eternal death, freedom from the wiles of the devil. So again, as our society celebrates today and this week, especially this Tuesday, the freedom we have in our country today, we celebrate the freedom that Jesus gives. If you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1. Turn to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read three verses. We're going to read verse 3 and verses 13 and 14. And we're going to see today one of the most succinct statements about the freedom that Jesus has given us that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. Very clear, very succinct, 
and right to the point. When Patrick Henry said, give me liberty or give me death, it couldn't get much clearer than that. We're either going to be free of the British control or we're going to die. Very short, concise, but to the point statement. Uh, it'd be great if we always spoke with such truth and clarity. The Bible does, Colossians chapter 1. Look at verses 3 and then 13 and 14. What is the whole purpose of this letter? What is the purpose of the churches that Paul has been planting? He says in Colossians 1.3, We give thanks. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. He says, I've got a spirit of thankfulness. You might be thankful for your country uh, all the time, but especially this week. Paul says, I'm thankful for something. I'm thankful for God the Father, who we know about because of His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, why? Why is Paul thankful for God the Father? Why is he thankful for Jesus? I'm going to ask you, why are you thankful for your country? Well, man, I, you know, growing up in Cookville, it was just a great, great childhood, and, and I loved it. Uh, and, you know, a lot of things I never thought about that later in life when I moved off that I realized other people had to think about uh, every day. Uh, when I went to high school, Cookville High School, there was not one day, really. Uh, there were a couple of incidents that happened, but let me rephrase that. The vast majority of my days, like 95% of the time or more, I went to high school and I never, I never thought anybody was going to hurt me or harm me or, or shoot me or blow up a building or, or anything like that. That's not what my existence was like. I, I went to school and you faced the peer pressures that all students face, but I, I never thought anybody would come in and shoot the place up or, or harm folks. I first went to work for the Billy Graham Association, one of the first chapels I was in. And Brother Franklin Graham was uh, speaking in the chapel, and Brother Franklin was telling us when they started the shoebox ministry that they do at Christmas through Samaritan's Purse. And Brother Franklin was telling about uh, an orphanage they'd gone to, and they went in, and the doctors told them that there was a child who was, who was just sitting, just kind of sitting in kind of like a crib, but he was a bigger child. And that this child, the doctor said, that child has never smiled has never smiled. And uh, they asked, they said, was well, there a reason for that? And the doctor said when the Civil War broke out here, in Bosnia, Serbia, when it broke out, he said uh, this, when he was just a very small, small baby, uh, soldiers came into his house, and this baby was there with his mom and dad, and the soldiers chopped off his father's head in front of him. And they said, they said, we think that's done some sort of permanent damage to him to see this. You know, growing up in America, I never witnessed anything like that. If you're glad for where we live, say amen. But then there's an amazing thing with that story. Brother Franklin said when they took the shoebox of toys, right, in a country, a war-torn country where they didn't have toys. It's an amazing story. So when they gave the child the toys, that the child broke out in a smile, and the doctor said, that's the first time we've ever seen him smile. If you're glad for the gift that Jesus gives, say amen. So what, so like, we're, I'm thankful to live here, and I'm thankful for all the freedoms we have here, and I'm thankful for the sort of life that I've been able to live, so I'm going to celebrate that this week. Well, why is Paul thankful for God, and why is he thankful for Jesus Christ? Well, look, and, and he, gives, he gives a number of reasons, but I want you to look at one reason that he gives in verse 13 and 14, all right? So he says, I'm thankful for God the Father 
and, and for Jesus Christ, right? Then look at verse 13. What has God done? Verse 13, he says, he's talking about what God has done. And he gets to verse 13 and he says, who has delivered us or who has saved us from what? From the power of darkness. So he says, I'm thankful for God because God, through his son Jesus, has delivered me, has saved us from the power of darkness and has done what? He's moved our allegiance. How does, he, how does he phrase it? He has delivered us, verse 13 says, delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us or has moved us where? Into a new kingdom, into the kingdom of his dear son. I'm thankful for God, Paul says, because he has come into a situation where I was and he has delivered me out of it and he has placed me in a new situation, a new kingdom. What kingdom is that? The kingdom of of Jesus Christ. How did he do this? How did he deliver? How did God the Father deliver Paul from the situation he was in and place him in this new wonderful situation in God's kingdom? Look at verse 14. So what did Jesus do? In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You know, history is filled with freedom fighters. Uh, in the Bible, you think of Gideon, right? And if you know the story of Gideon, maybe you don't, but Gideon in the Old Testament, then the Hebrew people were being beat down and they were being assaulted. They were being attacked and, and they were having to pay out tribute and they were being abused. And, and so Lord raised up this guy Gideon and with a very small force, very tiny force, the Bible tells us God used Gideon to defeat the enemies of Israel. Think about freedom fighters. Think about Gideon in the Old Testament. Outside of the Bible, right? Like his, the world is just filled with people that at a particular moment of time fight for freedom. Now think about the 300 Spartans at the Battle of Thermopylae, right? Every young, young guy and, and young lady, when you're, when you're studying history and you learn about the 300 Spartans, and so you know that story, right? You got the Greeks there in ancient Greece, and they had some semblance of freedom, not for everybody, but for some people. You had the Persian Empire. And the Persian Empire had conquered so much stuff and they decided they were going to invade Greece. And you know the story, right? With between 100,000 to 150,000 warriors, the Persians show up. They show up and the Greeks muster an army of 7,000. 7,000 versus up to 150,000, right? And this little Greek army of 7,000, they, they find a little pass where they can fight in this little pass that, 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 that the Persians can't go around and they stay there and fight. And they hold off this great army until one of the Greeks sells them out and shows the Persians a little trail where they can outflank them. And what did the Spartans do? These great freedom fighters trying to keep Greece free, what did they do? King Leonidas from Sparta released the rest of the army, told them to go, that they knew they couldn't hold it forever. He tells the rest of the army to go and to prepare uh, for further fighting. And with 300 Spartans, 300 against over 100,000 men for an extended period of time, they held that pass. Eventually they died, but not before they helped secure freedom because it was such a costly victory for the Persians. Oh, history is full of freedom fighters. Gideon and uh, the Spartans. And in America, we'll celebrate this week George Washington and, and Francis Marion, the great swamp fox. You've seen the movie at the Patriot. That's based on Francis Marion and all these heroes of our revolution. Now here's the deal. History is full of freedom fighters, but they're fighting for freedom in the moment. 
And we know the reason that history is filled with freedom fighters over and over and over again is because we're always losing that freedom. Someone else is always uh, on the prowl to take it, to, to, to remove it. And so that's why history is just filled over and over again with people that in a moment of time for, for, for one group of people or a group of people, they will fight for freedom. Here's the difference between the one who fought for your eternal freedom The difference between Jesus and all the other freedom fighters in the history of the world is only this one, Jesus, only this God-man, the Son of God, only he has won eternal freedom, not just for a moment, but for all eternity, not just for one group, but for all people that would embrace him. Jesus has won freedom on the cross. He won freedom not for just a moment in time, but for all the span of eternity past and eternity present, eternity future. He has secured freedom for those who trust in him. If you are glad for Jesus, say amen. So we will celebrate this week. But remember, there is only one Jesus, only one who has won freedom for all of eternity, who is translated, who has moved all who will trust in him from one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, into his kingdom, the kingdom of light. This morning, I want to just point out three truths, three truths as we gather today to celebrate Jesus and who he is and what he has done. Let me give you three truths about the Christian's freedom. Let me point out three uh, aspects of the freedom that Jesus has secured for us, right? So look at verse 13 again, all right? I'm going to show you three. Look at verse 13. Who, who needs to be delivered? Who needs to be delivered? Look at verse 13. God the Father, through Jesus, what has he done? He has delivered us. He has delivered us. We have been delivered. Who needs to be delivered? You and I. Why? Why do we need to be delivered? Because we're trapped by sin. Some are trapped by the lies that they have created. Some are trapped by their selfishness. Some are trapped by their ignorance. Some today are trapped by pornography. Some are trapped by affairs that they might be having. Some are trapped by addiction. Right? We talk about a lot of people are addicted to drugs and alcohol. And we deal with that a lot. But you know there are other addictions. I bet there are some people in here today that you're addicted to social media can't stay off of it you know you need to go play with your kids you know there's work you need to do but you're just too addicted to social media some are addicted to praise of others some are addicted to food some are addicted to greed some are addicted to fear you have a spirit of fearfulness that consumes you who is the freedom for that Jesus gives praise the Lord the freedom that Jesus gives and why we celebrate is the freedom it says it is for us he has delivered us so the first thing about freedom is this freedom is for you it is for us so what's the second thing if we've been freed what have we been freed from right that's part of what we uh, do as a nation this week we remember that okay we were once under this system of government and then these set of events happened and we moved from that and moved to a new one well what are we delivered from we're delivered from sin and bondage. But look at how, and I love this, look at how Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, how he phrases it. All right, look at verse 13. Look at it again. He has delivered us from what? From the power of darkness. The power of darkness, or the dominion of darkness. We were once under the dominion of darkness, the power of darkness, right? So it's not just, it's not just that there was one sin that we were under, 
It's not just this one issue in your life that needs to be fixed. Yes, most of us have a major issue or some major issues where sin really has a grip on us and we need to name that and we need to ask Jesus to forgive us and he says he will. But here's the truth of the matter. It's not just, because here's the thing. Maybe today you've never given your heart to Christ. Maybe today you know you're in the bondage of sin and today you, you may decide, I, I want to I embrace Jesus today. I want to accept him. I want to move from one kingdom to another. And maybe there's going to be some particular sin that's on your mind that is weighing you down today. And you're going to name that. But let me tell you something. What you're going to find out is if you give your heart to Christ, there will be other sins that the enemy will then throw your way. So yeah, most of us have some particular sins that we struggle with. But the truth of the matter is, it's not just particular sins we had to be saved from. It is the totality of sin, the dominion of sin, the fact that sin has got, had a grip, had a grip on everything. So it's not just your sins you need to be saved from, but it is the power of darkness. It is the, the all-consuming power of sin, all of it, that Jesus needs to move you from that dominion, from that place to a new place. If you're glad Jesus can save you not just from one sin, but from the total power of sin, say amen. He says, hey, he has moved you. He has delivered you from the power of darkness. He has moved you from that, right? And so you have been delivered, the Bible says. Who's this great freedom for? It is for us. It's for us. And where have we been moved from? We have been moved from the power of darkness. Now, when darkness is there, man, darkness, dar darkness can, can take over everything, right? And he says, that's what's happened. And uh, I don't know, like when you sleep, whether you need complete darkness or not. I don't know if you need that. But my wife, she's one of these. It's got to be completely dark. Completely dark. In fact, it's extremely annoying. You know what's most annoying? i got a great wife. Great wife. But what's really annoying, it's really annoying. This is my great wife over here. When it's nighttime and I'll be sleeping, you know. I'll be sleeping out here and start moving around. And you husbands know what I'm talking about. And that wife, and then I hear a... <coughs> And I kind of wake up, like, what, what, what's going on? What's going on? You left the light on in the garage again. It might be 2 a.m. in the morning. You left the light on the garage. What are you talking about? Let me left the light on the garage. See, here's what you have to understand. When you walk in from the garage, when you walk in that door, there's a long hallway. And at the end of that hallway, you go into the kitchen and the rest of the house, or you go right into our bedroom. Now, our bed is raised up. Oh, right, so, so if you're just laying in bed and you got your eyes closed, when the light's on the garage, you can't, it's just, it's, you, know, you know how the light is on the garage? Just one little sliver. You know what I'm talking about. One little sliver is all it is. And when you're up on the bed, you can't even see it. You cannot see it where we're at. But my wife has got to have it so dark that it's like something goes off in her brain that lets her know, I need to look down over the end of the bed and see if that light's on in the garage. So she told me last week, we had a revelation, she told me last week, I don't even know what you call that. But she said, I'm going to have to get one of those if you don't start turning the light off in the garage. She's got to have it completely dark when she sleeps. Let me let you in on something about our enemy. See, this was the plan of the enemy. He doesn't want God getting praise. The devil does not want Jesus being magnified. He wants it completely dark. And that's the way he desires it, and that's the way he wanted it. And we know that Jesus has won this great victory, and he's, he's had this movement. But, but, man, Satan has been defeated by the cross, but he's still trying, as, as he can, to bring his many down and keep his many down. He doesn't want them moved from his kingdom to another. Think about it this way, just to give an analogy. Not perfect, no analogy is, but think about it. So, like, when we 
when we got freedom from Great Britain, there were lots of other colonies that they didn't, they didn't do that. It took a lot, lot longer. Man, so today you're free. And we know freedom is there. We know you don't have to stay this way anymore. Jesus shows us you don't have to stay in bondage anymore. You don't have to have this arrangement with the devil anymore. You can be free. But we know there are many that are still in that arrangement, and that is the way that the devil wants it. He wants it completely dark. And if he had his way, you would still be in the darkness. So we could give the Lord a little praise today. If you're glad he's moved us out of darkness, say amen. So the Bible says, it says, man, Jesus has given us freedom. And it's for us. It's for everybody. It's for everybody that will believe. It's for us. It's plural. It's not just singular. It's for, it's for us. And where is this freedom taking us from? Man, this freedom is taking us from the power of darkness, from the dominion of darkness. So if you're dirty, if you're broken, if you're weighed down today, if you're under that power of darkness, the Bible says that through Jesus, that he can translate you, that he can move you from that power of darkness into a relationship with his son where the devil is no longer your king but his son Jesus Christ is your king. So there is freedom for you, and there is freedom from darkness. And if you've accepted Jesus' gift, when you accept the gift of Jesus, then there are some passages, some verses in the Bible that you can then just not read, but you can say it along with the Bible and say, that's me too. Passages like Romans 8.2 that says, The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Free from what? From the law of sin and the law of death. You can say, look at John 8, 36 on the screen. Look what you can say. John 8, 36, when you have been moved out of that darkness, you can say, not just read, you can say, if the Son sets you free, you can say it from experience to another person. You can say, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Say after me. Say after me. I am free. You are free when Jesus moves you from the power of darkness and he moves you into his kingdom. So three truths about the Christian's freedom. There's freedom for you and there's freedom from darkness. So you've left that. There's freedom for you. There's freedom for darkness. Well, then what's that freedom for? What, if, if you're no longer to be living for darkness... If your freedom is no longer to be exercised under what's really slavery and darkness, then where is your freedom now to be directed? And, and, and if you actually, like later on, I encourage you, man, read, read the whole book of Galatians because a lot of that is about dealing with where your freedom has now been moved to. So if there's freedom for you and freedom from darkness, last truth, what's this freedom for? This freedom is for Jesus' kingdom. There's freedom for you. And it's freedom for darkness, but now it is freedom for Jesus' kingdom. Look at verse 13 again. Look what it says. Right? He says, what's God done through Jesus? He has delivered us from what? From the power of darkness. And then what, what's he taking us from darkness? Where is he taking us? He has translated us or he has moved us into the kingdom of his dear son. You've not been made free. You've not been made free to just do whatever you want. Now, the Lord will give you, when your heart is aligned with God's heart, and Jesus does that with us, then he is going to give you that heart desire when it's lined up with God's, God's will. But sometimes there are things that we want that are not that way. And sometimes we get stubborn. And sometimes we get rebellious. And we forget what we've been freed for. And the enemy, and if, if he can't put us just back under slavery, well, let me at least redirect what they're doing away from what God is doing. But you've not been freed 
for your own selfishness. You've not been made free to continue to sin. And Paul deals with that in other letters. You've not been made free so you can just sin and say, oh, it's all good, it's all good, God, God loves me. Oh, no. Oh, no, you have been made free to be a part of God's kingdom, to participate in that, and you have a role in showing others how Jesus can translate them, how he can move them from the dominion of darkness into the dominion of light. And so the kingdom... This kingdom you've been moved to that you now have freedom to work for and, and to do joyful ministry for is the freedom of God's dear son, Jesus. Once your king was Satan. And Satan and sin influenced all that you did. Now you have a new king that guides you and directs you. Now you're free to pursue your eternal purpose. You've been given eternal freedom to pursue the eternal joy and purpose that God has for you. And a part of that is being God's ambassador for Jesus' kingdom in the midst of the crumbling powers of this age. Now, man, I believe me, last night, all good shot the fireworks off last night. And it was 9 o'clock, and I'd been at church yesterday doing stuff, and then we had, we had uh, worked on the sound system last night to get it ready for today, you know, and everything. And so I got home a little after 8 o'clock last night, and uh, was just kind of relaxing. My boys, Laura, had already got their showers done and, and everything. And, and, and they had their pajamas on. And I live in all good. And I heard the first firework go off. And I remembered, oh, they're shooting the fireworks off. And so Laura and the boys, man, in their pajamas, they jumped in the car with me. And we drove down uh, over by Trinity Church. And we sat and we watched the fireworks. And, and it was a great time. And Tuesday, we're going to celebrate as a church over at Cane Creek Park. We're going to have our church picnic from four to six everybody's invited and we're going to celebrate we're going to remember man it's great it's great to, it's great to live in this country and it's going to be exciting and in cookville they're going to at the fairgrounds they're going to shoot those big fireworks off and have this big big celebration go on right down the just huge celebration and man i i'm going to celebrate i'm going to celebrate and here's the thing as I celebrate from this country in the back of my mind, there's always this awareness, there's always this awareness, always this awareness that one day it may not be like that in this country. Because you study history, countries rise and fall, and so we have to do our part and be vigilant, but countries rise and fall, that's the way it works, and so we have to do what we can. But at the end of the day, we don't control everything. And sometimes we look at our country and we look at what's going on, it breaks our heart. And it breaks our heart the decisions that are made and the things that seem to drive everything. It drives things and you think, man, what, what is this about? What's happening? But I want to tell you, as I, and I'm going to celebrate. As I celebrate for the country that I love, there's always an awareness in the back of my mind that as much as I love this country, it is not the country for me. My true kingdom is one that I don't have to worry about rising and falling. It is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is forever. And even when I die, in fact, when I die, I'm just taking another step in this journey into this perfect kingdom that Jesus Christ rules over. If you are glad for the eternal kingdom, say amen. So, man, we're rightfully celebrating our freedom as, as Americans. But as Christians, it is our joy to celebrate every day that we have been moved from the power of darkness. We have been translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son, 
Jesus. Jesus has made you free to do that. He's made you free to worship God again and to live in His will and live in His purpose. So at this church, we can celebrate today. And we can celebrate today the, the baptism that has been done because that is a sign of one who moved from darkness into the new kingdom. And you can celebrate your salvation today that the Lord has moved you into a new kingdom. And man, my son, his first testimony ever in church just totally came out of the blue, right? I'm not one of those preachers. My wife and I agreed this long time ago. Not gonna be, now, I'm going to make him do the youth group stuff and be a part like every other kid and, and learn the things, absolutely. Man, I'm not, I'm not going to trot my kid out as a trophy because I'm the pastor in no way. But you know how excited I am today that my son on his own wanted folks to know it is great. It is great to be part of a new kingdom. Now, if that will move you a little bit, say amen. But maybe today you're still in bondage. Maybe today you're still under the power of darkness. You say, I want this freedom. I want this freedom. And Patrick Henry and those guys, they had to make a tough choice because they knew it's going to cost them. But what it won, look at what it won. Look at what the decision they did, look what it won. And today there's some of you, you're in bondage to sin and you're thinking, this might cost me a friendship. This might cost me a relationship. I've just been doing sinful stuff so long. Maybe you say, I'm not really a bad person, but there's just one thing got me trapped. And I really don't want to let it go because I know Jesus said, hey, I don't, I don't want you doing that in my kingdom. That's not what I'm about. I got something else for you. And today you're afraid to let go because you think, you think, I'm going to lose this. Can I tell you something? And what this group of witnesses who are a part of Jesus' kingdom can tell you, what you lose, you will find out you never really needed to begin with. And what you will gain, what you will gain is far beyond your wildest imagination because you will gain the very love of God in a unique way through his son Jesus when you step out and you say Lord I hear you and Lord I receive you Lord I accept you the Bible says you just confess your sin and you embrace Jesus the Bible says when you do that when you make that statement you have made it clear and through the Holy Spirit has then done a work through you and in you it says my Body, soul, mind is no longer aligned with the kingdom of darkness. The Holy Spirit does a work within you. It says when you confess Jesus, Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit does a work within you. And you are removed from this kingdom of darkness and you are planted in a new kingdom. The kingdom of God's dear Son, Jesus Christ. If you're glad for the Christian's freedom, say amen. So what kingdom will you be a part of? What kingdom will you serve? When you live your life, where's the allegiance at? If it's in that power of darkness, we're going to sing a, sing a hymn. A time of reflection. A time to think. A time for God's Spirit to move. Very important moment. And as you reflect and as God's Spirit shows you what's been preached on today, and as you think in your own life, where am I at? What kingdom am I in? I want to tell you something. You don't want a day, you don't want to wait because there's a day of reckoning coming between the two kingdoms. There's a day coming where you can't, you can't play with both sides. And when that day comes, there's no doubt which kingdom will prevail, which kingdom is prevailing. The kingdom that will prevail is the kingdom of the Son. My friends, today is the day. Today is the day to respond to the invitation from King Jesus to be a part of His kingdom. And if you've thought about it and you've wrestled with it, 
for, for a while, today is the day. So I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I'm going to ask them to come. And we're going to play and we're going to sing. And as they play and as they sing and maybe you sing, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to show you today, is it time? Is it time for you to step out and move from the power of darkness and allow God to move you into the power and the dominion of His Son, Jesus? Would you stand with me? And we're going to pray. And we're done praying, we're going to sing. And if you want to come, what you can do is come here. We will meet you here today. Say, I want to know a little more about this kingdom. I want to know a little more. Or maybe you're just ready to jump right in. Then you come today and we'll show you. We'll meet you right here. No shame, we'll meet you right here. Maybe there's some other baggage you're dealing with. Maybe something else going on. This is a time for you as well to pray and to commune with the Lord God. Lord, I ask today that you would move. And Lord, you would speak. And Lord, that you, it's been a great service very attentive congregation listening to your word and Lord it's been a great celebration but Lord now is the time for somebody to make a move from the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of light Lord I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict and it would call Lord I ask this in Jesus name today amen but let's see so what number 255 255 you can sing if you need to come and pray today listen you come as brother Cecil leads us in song if you need to come today you come